Today we have Gary Lipsky on the show. Are you looking to build a valuable leadership platform? Gary Lipsky built several successful leadership platforms that include webinars, online conferences, a podcast, and a best-selling book. He leveraged his prior experience building an education platform that catered to the needs of 9,000 children. Gary has invested in five multifamily properties as a general partner with over 400 units. If you want to know how Gary created his successful leadership platforms so that you can develop your own, then listen to this episode. Before we jump into the intro, a huge shout out and thank you. We hit 300 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I am learning so much from each and every one of the guests on the show, and I hope that you are also. Thanks again for helping out. Now, on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Gary Lipsky before we start the show. Gary lives in sunny Southern California, and he invests in Arizona multifamily real estate. He's always been an entrepreneur. He's a guy who just goes after it. He got into multifamily real estate about three or four years ago, and has already done five syndication deals as a general partner for over 400 units. He's also already implemented several leadership platforms in a very short time frame. He's making money, and he's making money for his investors. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Gary Lipsky with us. Gary, appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Darren. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So just a little bit about how I know Gary before we get started. Um, So Gary and I were part of the same um, multifamily mentorship group. And and Gary is actually a a key principal in my first syndication deal. So um, very excited to have him on. Since him coming on as a KP on my deal, he has been off to the races, man. He is He's doing deals. He's building platforms. He's doing all kinds of cool stuff. So I can't wait to have this conversation. So Gary, I usually start with how many properties and how many units are you currently invested in? Yeah, as as an active investor right now, we have five properties and about 440 units. We just sold a property a couple months ago and we'll be selling, uh, we have one in escrow. So that'll be... uh, That'll be complete in about uh, five weeks or so. Fantastic. What did you do before you got involved in real estate? Yeah, I was uh, an entrepreneur growing up. You know, I I had a, um, we shoveled driveways during the winters. We we uh, washed and detailed cars during the summer. I, I started a, a restaurant delivery service like a DoorDash uh, in college, obviously I didn't have the vision. I wish I did many, <laughs> right. many years ago. Exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. You're making millions uh, now, but you would have been making billions, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, Certainly, I didn't have the wherewithal then, but uh, but it was it was uh, definitely an idea before its time. Um, And I co-produced three independent films in my twenties. Did you really? What kind of films? Yeah. So, um, so you know, straight to video type films. Um, One was like a like an action film. There's some some. uh, some names and faces that you would recognize. Uh, and we, we sold some, you know, foreign rights to get the movie done. Uh, Jennifer Tilly was in one, Joan Rivers, um, uh, Ada Turturro. Uh, so I did that. And I, I, was, I was writing scripts, developing scripts. I had one with uh, MTV and Michael Keaton's company. But, you know, with, with real estate, you don't, you, you know, you... You know what you're, what, you know, the numbers make sense. You sell it, this, that, and the other. And, and with a script, you, you're never finished. You're never done. You don't know how, someone might say it's good. Someone might, might, and not, <laughs> might not believe it. So you, you never know where you stand with film. And, and that was frustrating to me because I, I wanted to know if I did X amount of work um, that, you know, I, I'll get X amount of return. And now there's no guarantee. There's got to sure. be obviously a leap of faith. Uh, and I was having a kid and I had worked a lot of nights during, you know, on film shoots and stuff. So I thought, okay, I needed to start something else um, that maybe fit what what I enjoyed doing and having a purpose. And so I started this outdoor ed leadership development and after school program. It didn't all, we didn't start doing all three. We started more on like sports and adventure stuff, but I, I did that for 15 years and I sold that Holy at cow. the end of 2016. And at that time we were serving 9,000 kids daily throughout Southern California. I had a staff of over 700 employees and another 700 independent contractors. And uh, the business was was doing great, but I've been doing it almost, yeah, like I said, almost 15 years. I had great people um, on my team and it, it was time for me to take my next challenge. And, uh, and then that's when I got into real estate full-time. I had been investing in real estate prior to, but this gave me the time and some money to, to, to play with and, and really go full, full steam ahead. Fantastic. So would you say that that was a education platform for those 9,000 kids? Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we did sports, we did tutoring, we did music. Um, we did a lot of leadership development, out, outdoor education. So we had portable rock walls, we had kayaks, we had camping gear. Um, so we took, we, we brought adventure to the schools and mostly these are inner city schools, um, in, in the worst parts of towns, uh, throughout, you know, Southern California. And then we also took them outside and, and, and showed them, we took them outside of their, you know, one mile square radius that they were used to and, and taught them life skills uh, that they can apply. And, and it really opened their eyes to what, it, what is out there. And so really rewarding work. Uh, we were a for-profit in mostly a nonprofit world. Sure. What's interesting to me, I didn't know that background that you had, um, is that, you know, I've seen you in the, on the real estate side, like come out with one platform after another platform after another platform. I mean, like you started a webinar series, then you, you know, you ended up doing an online conference, then you did a podcast and then you wrote a book that I believe is a best-selling book on Amazon. And, you know, now it kind of makes sense because you had this experience before and you leveraged that. Did that help you? Absolutely. You know, people, 
you know, only, you know, that iceberg analogy, you know, they only see the top, but it's all that work that you, you put into building, you know, that, that experience, uh, to, you know, to, and then that all plays into where I am today. Absolutely. Into my, my mistakes along the way, my lessons learned and all that played into it and gave me the confidence to really t- anything I set my mind to that, uh, you know, I could be successful at. And, and certainly there, there were a lot of other people that helped play a role to, uh, to make me, you know, successful in where I am today. And, and, and that's really important because you're only as good as, you know, the team. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, talk about some of those, those, uh, platforms that you, you put together and, and, um, you know, why'd you pick one over the other to start with and, and which one has, uh, had the most impact to, to your business? Yeah. yeah, we started with the webinar series and, you know, once when COVID hit, everyone started doing the webinar series. So we, we kind of went away from that and we focused on an online conference and, we met a guy who had had done one. We actually we were planning to do a live one first, and then we shelved it. And then we're like, you know what, you know, COVID isn't going anywhere. Let's let's just do it online. It would uh, reduce our risk, quite honestly, because we didn't have to put a down payment for uh, a conference room and all of that that goes into it. We could do it fairly cheap, um, and let's let's do it for free. And get advertising money versus you know charging three hundred and and not knowing how many people are are going to attend and and have it really be you know, have have great content great speakers and not worry about selling anything you know and so yeah you had you had a lot of speakers a lot of really well known speakers in the in the multifamily industry as well yeah we we went after some big names and yeah. and and most of them said yes and uh, we did that conference over two weeks. <laughs> what it was two weeks long Holy yeah, a few God. hours a day for two weeks wow. and so what we want to do is make, make it bite-sized for people and because after a three-day conference you're spent and you start fading yeah. out and so again we just wanted to do something different and we were working with someone that helped build our platform for us and and that's what he suggested and it was way out of the box and you know, we, we went for it, you know, we just said, all right, what the heck, we'll, we'll go for it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, you're, you're one that will take a risk and, and put yourself out there. So, um, was it successful? We had, uh, over 1800 people sign up and 1800 people sign up. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. So That's crazy. Yeah. And we had some, a lot of good sponsors. So yeah, it was super successful. Everyone really loved the content. Um, you know, we were able we had a VIP upgrade so people can have a Q&A with the speakers every night. You know, we'd have, you know, two speakers in the room and we had a room of, you know, 10, 20 people to an intimate setting where any of the people that went for the VIP package can ask the speakers anything they wanted. So that was great. And then they can get access to all the recorded uh, videos as well. So uh, that went really well. We did another one this past spring. So that market kind of got flooded too. A lot of people started, you know, copying and, and I get it, you know, it's, um, so we had a little over a thousand people on our, on our second time. Still a lot of people. How did you market that to get that many people to sign up? Yeah, we, you know, um, social media, um, our email list, um, we asked the speakers to promote it as well. And some did, some didn't, um, 
We spent a little bit of money on Facebook uh, at the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the cost per registrant was like $10 a person. Um, so that wasn't real, the real main driver, but uh, it was, it was use, using our network. We had our, you know, we had our podcast going, so we could promote it on that as well. And, um, yeah, it was great. And it, it's great because it was a learning opportunity for us as well. We could bring on speakers that we wanted to hear, ask right. the questions that we wanted to ask. So it just, it, it just helps me become a better operator. Yeah. That, that's funny that you say that because I've, I've told some people that recently, like, with this podcast, there's some people that may listen to, you know, one or two or three episodes and they're like, you know, thanks. I got a lot of value from that. But I listen to everyone because I'm interviewing everyone. So I learn from every single guest. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. When did the podcast come, come about? Did that come before or after? You know, I forget when, what, what started first. We kind of like moved forward on a lot of different things, but we started the podcast in, in early 2020. Um, we had just come back from a conference, IMN in Dallas. Um, and, and that was like early March and then everything shut down. And so we just went full bore with everything, you know, podcast, the book, the, the, the summit and, um, you know, just worked every single day, you know, just cranked out as much stuff. And, and, and I had a, a partner that we were working together on it. And so just banging everything out and, um, you, you know, with, when, when you have a team, you can accomplish a lot. So, and, and there was nothing else to do at that time. So we just, just kept working and working and working. So the podcast, my understanding of your podcast is, is, geared mainly towards the operation side. So after there's so many, um, you know, education pro programs out there and podcasts that talk about how you get your first deal and how you, but yours is more, Hey, once you get the deal, you know, how do you run it? How do you, how do you operate it? And so talk about a little bit about that focus and some of the lessons learned. Yeah, and, and again, that's utilizing our entrepreneurial skills from from all these years, and 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 that's kind of like my secret sauce. And so I wanted to learn from others too. How how can I get better and and bring on experts? And you know, it, these are the podcasts are, are short, you know, 10, 12 minutes long, and just hyper focused on one aspect of, of asset management. And so we'll have six, seven questions bang it out. And, and, and that's that. And, you know, just like I said, very, very specific, you know, from, you know, disposition, accounting or value add strategy and, and just little, little tidbits for someone to, to take away and, you know, jot down on their notebook and, and implement. So maybe top two or three lessons learned from guests that you could share with our listeners. Yeah. You know, Neil Bawa is always great. You know, the data scientist and, you know, for him, it's always about breaking every single thing down. And uh, I love that strategy because, you know, let's say, you know, leasing, you can't look at leasing as a whole. You've got to break it down per unit type because you might be, you know, 90% occupied, uh, but almost all your units are occupied except one, one type of unit that's causing all the problems. So, uh, unless you break it down, you don't, you don't know that. So, you can raise the rents on all the other 
units, but on this unit type, you might need to lower the rent or figure out, hey, maybe it's in a bad location on your property, whatever it is. But and, and you take that mindset and you apply it to every aspect of your operations and break every single task down so you could find bottlenecks and 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 reduce timelines and maximize your your NOI. So did you ever walk away with, you know, you get off a podcast and you're like, holy cow, I'm going to go do that at my property. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and so Merrill Kalser is another one. He, he talked about KPIs and, and certainly we had some KPIs before that, but you know, after that podcast, it was like, okay, well, if we're, if we're going to be players and, and, and doing this along for the long haul, we need to invest in a, a really good, uh, KPI system. And, and we did that. We, we spent the money to build it out and use it for every single one of our properties. And it, it make it, it allows us to make better decisions, quite honestly. So what is that platform? Is that separate from the software that you would use from the property management software? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so we use RealPage. I, I think Merrill uses something else, and there's other others out there. Um, and it connects to Yardi, which is our property management software. And so it pulls all that information. Now, certainly there are some KPIs on Yardi and and whatnot, but it's a really hard tool. What RealPage does is real paints a really nice picture for me, and we 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 have the dashboard of all the you know KPIs we have on top, and we can delve into it. We can look at it a number of different ways, and at uh, I forget the cost per maybe it's like a dollar per unit per month. So you know if you have a hundred unit property, it's a it's a hundred dollars, um, and so for for a course of year, twelve hundred dollars is nothing if you're making much better decisions. So right. it really is a is a no brainer. That's that's huge. That's huge. Um, yeah. So. Then you, after all that, you guys wrote a book. Talk about yeah. the book. Like, that's a big undertaking, my friend. Huge undertaking. And, you know, we have, you know, two different What's it called? voices. So, you know, trying to meld the two and, and two different writing styles, quite honestly. You know, I'm, I'm the type of writer I like to throw things down and then keep fine tuning it. Um, and, the, and the guy I wrote the book with, you know, he wants to write it once. And like have it perfect, perfect the first the first time. I'm like I, I don't I don't work that way. I like to massage it. What's missing? See you know. Um, so you know you're you're working together on that. We had an editor. I mean we worked with a company that kind of uh, coached us and managed us through the process. They they did the uh, the editing for us. They'd send it back to us. And you know you're reading this book you know 25 times and and fine tuning it. And by the end you're like you're pulling your hair out, but. <laughs> Uh, it, it is a long process. Uh, I think it was, geez, I mean, 15 months, you know, um, but, but when it's done, it's, I mean, it lasts for forever and uh, it's, it's awesome. And it's a lot of the stuff that we've learned, we've taken away from the podcast, from the conferences. So uh, just, it's so much information in there. And then we also um, uh, supply resources for people. The things that we use, they can go online and and access some of the stuff as well. So, what's the name of the book? Best in class. Best in class. Uh, focused on the operations side, right? Absolutely. And you, am I correct saying that it's a bestseller on Amazon? 
It is. It is a best seller on Amazon. We actually accomplished that in the uh, the first day it went on sale. Uh, so we were we were pretty stoked about that. Fantastic, fantastic. So um, that's a lot of different platforms. So we talked about we talked about the book. We talked about the podcast. We talked about the the uh, the summit, the online conference, and also the webinar series. All, one, why did you do all that? And then two. Of all those channels, which one do you think has had more impact? Um, I guess for uh, for investor awareness, probably it's the it's the conference. You know, you know, having that leadership platform that was um, that one did the most for investors. For us, as as far as um, operators, I would say the book, because we had to make sure that, you know, there's no guesswork. There's, you know, with a conference, you're, you're, you're putting it all together. You throw it against the wall and see what happens with the book. You know, you're, you're putting it out there for perpetuity. It better be right. And your systems better be good. And so it pushed us definitely to be better operators. And if we didn't know something, you know, we had to make sure we got that information and, and did it right. You know, you're putting yourself out there as an authority figure. So, um, yeah, you 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 better know your stuff. Absolutely. And you guys also you also have a meetup group. I I, I failed to, yeah. to mention yeah, we, that. You have a, you yeah, have a we local actually meetup had a couple group. meetup groups. Did you really? Yeah, well, one in Los Angeles uh, downtown, and then one in Phoenix. I mean, we we're always out there looking at properties. So we're like, well, we'll just have a meetup in in Phoenix um, when. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, after touring properties, you know, we did it every third Wednesday. Um, and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say we would have done all of it during COVID, but, you know, with COVID, it was easy just combine the meetups online, nice and easy, didn't have to, you know, travel anywhere. And so, um, yeah, so we, we were pushing forward on all those different platforms, except for the, the webinar series, we ended up discontinuing that because we had the the online meetup which was essentially the same thing so all those platforms you know when i got into the space you know you you learn how to syndicate and then people talk about building some kind of leadership platform some and um you know i i found that and i i'm guessing that you have too but i want to get your take on it is that you know, there's really two goals for that. One is a, is just giving back and and helping other people. You know, learn what you've learned. You know, and and um, there there were plenty of people that helped me along the way, uh, whether that was you know directly face to face, or whether that was at a meetup group, or on the phone, or or what, or through a paid mentorship program. Um, and then there's a secondary, you know, piece where you're hoping to introduce the concept and bring more people into the fold that may invest alongside you. So one, I guess, did you have that dual um, goal in mind? And then, and secondly, um, on the passive investor side, which of those platforms really brought more people into your deals? 
Yeah, um, they all you know, helped bring, you know, I, I would say 50% of my investors I've already had a relationship with for a few years. Right. Um, whether it's for the activities that I, I'm involved in or, or meetup groups or whatever, uh, maybe a quarter of it is, is from the podcast, the, the summit, uh, maybe, maybe the book, or, or it reinforces that you know they they see me as you know potential you know decent sponsor and sometimes it's just just because you're on social media people may think that you're a decent sponsor but you really you know investors good investors need to do their homework to make sure an operator is is just because they're on social media that they're they are actually doing a good job um and then a quarter percent a quarter of my investors are, are come from referrals a lot of Investors come back and they they'll bring other investors with them the next time, which is which is awesome. Um, so a lot of different ways, you know, one one helps the other. Um, you know, the book is is just a great piece I, I can give to any potential investor. And and like I said, it really pushed me to be a better operator to 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 write it all out and improve our systems. The podcast was again another great way for me to learn, and 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 through all these different you know methods, I'm able to bring in more investors too. It's it's not like a, a watershed, not it's not like it's an endless supply of investors, but it, it it helps you know, and and people gain more confidence in your ability because they hear you on a, on, a, on a couple of different uh, platforms. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that also um, it's funny. Growth, just personal growth. Like you think, okay, well, I want to get into multifamily investing and, and then I'm going to learn how to do it. And then like you, you cross the finish line, right? Like, but it's not like that. All of a sudden it, somebody else is like, all right, well now you got to step up and do this thing. And you're like, but I don't know how to do that. And now you have to get uncomfortable again. Like you just learned how to do this and now you got to go and do something else. So I applaud you that you kept charging ahead because, you know, each one of those things is a challenge. It's something new. It's something you haven't done before. And, um, you know, I talked to some first-time investors that, look, I remember the first time I did a passive deal. I was scared to do that, you know, and then now I'm in a ton of different passive deals. I'm not scared to do that anymore. But, you know, I was scared to start the podcast. I was, you know, like you, you wrote a book. I haven't written a book yet. Um, I'm actually trying to. I'm in the process, but uh, it's, it's a long, long process. Um, you know, one of the things you talked about early on was that you were an entrepreneur in your mind, you know, even from a kid. And you talked about shoveling snow. So I know you didn't grow up in Southern California. You must have, where'd you grow up? Uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. So you're yeah. an East, East Coast guy. So yep. I, I'm an East Coast guy too. I'm from Connecticut. Um, so you grew up in Jersey. How, and what, when did you end up in California? Um, my uh, I had been going back and forth in my 20s when I was working on films, but I moved out here permanently um, when I was uh, 28. So, geez, almost 20, about 23 years ago. 23 years ago. So, oh, man, are you 51? Yeah, I am too, man. Usually you have all these like young guns on here, like 30 something. So I'm so glad to have somebody my age. Hey, so I know from your background that you've, you've, 
done single family investing. You've also done um, some ground up construction. And so when did you get started with that? And then why did you make the leap into multifamily? Yeah. So, you know, when I bought my first house um, for me to live in, it was, it was house hacking. I, you know, we, we didn't have any money down. We had, we had debt, you know, and we converted the garage and I helped build it with a, with a guy who was handy and converted it into an office space for my, for my business. And we opened up the kitchen and we did some different things. And so that was my, my start of real estate investing. And then uh, years later, I turned one of my, our, our residential home into a, a rental and we moved out to, to and when we bought a, a new house. Um, so and, you bought your first house and then when you moved into your next house, you kept the first house and rented it out. No, I, I sold that one. Uh, but my second house, that's when we, 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 um, rented that one and moved into a third one right down the street. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So that, that's where I started getting comfortable with, with rehab and, and, and numbers and dealing with GCs. And so I, I kind of had an eye for that when I moved into multifamily. So you take one and you multiply it by however many units you have, you know? Um, originally I was thinking real small to kind of, um, to get experience. So I was looking at a 12 unit, um, but not until I, I partnered with some other people. We bought, we bought a 42 unit for our first uh, property and, and you're much better partnering with others and having that confidence of, Hey, am I, are, are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing? You know, let's go in together and, and you can make big jumps that way. Cause our, our first property we bought was 1.65 million. The next property we bought was a little over 15 million. Holy cow. That's a big yeah. jump. Yeah. And we had so many partners that said no to us in the, in the beginning they didn't like the deal. They they weren't comfortable with the deal. We're now selling that deal in under two years. It'll be over two x to our investors when we close, assuming everything goes through. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I mean, look, when you, me, and you started around the same time, and I remember meeting people. So I met some people that had been in the space since. You know, they're like, Darren, man, I was buying 30, 40 k per unit. I'm out. This is back like 2018. They're like, I'm out, man. This we're at the top. I'm I'm sitting out, and I'm like, I'm in. I'm I'm gonna do this thing. And but you know, I wasn't completely naive. I didn't know for sure if we were at the top. But you know, a lot of my deals now from 2018 are starting to turn over and and making very good money. So um, I'm glad I did it. But there there is a little, you know, a little level of you know, there's definitely risk and there's a little level of take a leap of faith, you know, to get in. Um, but if you don't, you may never do it. Yeah. Yeah. I know some guys, uh, out here in Los Angeles that have been saying, Hey, the cap rates are too low since 2015 and haven't been investing, you know, and you know, we're, you know, it's just, it's just different times. You know, you look at all the international people investing here and, and our cap rates have dramatically reduced and they're looking at our cap rates and they're like, it's fantastic. You're, you're at a four cap. That's, that's great. You know, so it's perspective and there's a lot of capital out there where you, where, you know, it's the best risk adjusted returns out there. So, uh, and you get the tax benefit. So, 
I know everyone keeps saying, hey, we're at, you know, they're afraid to, to, it's too late, it's too late, it's never too late because over time, if you're in it for the long haul and if you manage well, you're going to be, you're going to give yourself a great shot for being successful. Yeah, absolutely. And a few things to add there is that, you know, um, in terms of getting started, everybody starts with one. You know, whether it's a single family house or whether it's a multifamily or duplex or fourplex, like you ha- have to do the first one before you, you can get to the second one. And, you know, you build confidence off that. Um, what you did with the single family home, not the first, but the second one that you ended up turning in. I've had a couple people on here that uh, focus in on their, their prior, uh, they served in the military and they cater towards you know, helping enlisted folks um, learn how to get involved in real estate investing. And a few of them, that's how they started. Like they'd be at a base, they buy a home, and then they would get transferred to another base. And rather than sell the home, they would rent it. And then they would go on to the next one. And then all of a sudden they started to learn about, okay, how to, how to own property and how to get it done and how to manage it. And, and then okay, how do you scale? How do you go bigger? And you just build off of that confidence and off of your experience. Um, And you did that not only on the investing side, but also on the, on the platform side, which is, which is remarkable. Um, So what markets do you focus in on? Are you? So, yeah, I focus on Phoenix and Tucson. I love the, the population growth, the job growth, the rank growth is, is top, you know, almost top in the nation. Uh, it's been phenomenal. Um, so we, we what's love been the, uh, those- what's been the rent growth in, in Phoenix area. Phoenix, I think it's almost like 17% in the last year. It's been like 17%, absurd. 17% in one yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, Tucson has been, um, I, I think seven, 8% the last couple of years. Every report is a little different, you know, uh, it's, it's funny when you're, when you're putting together your investment summary and one, one says one thing, one says another. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, the rank growth has been, has been, uh, crazy out there. So many people moving there, uh, a lot of job creation. So, um, it's, it's, it's obviously the prices though have, have skyrocketed since too. The cap rates have, have, have really compressed in those two markets. So it's, it's hard to find deals. So, so, you know, we, we've, the last few deals have gone is, is by solving problems someone else wasn't willing to solve. Let's give me an example of how, you, how do you solve a problem? Yeah. So the, the, um, I guess, uh, the one we bought in February, it was student housing and he was, you know, at the time, um, uh, just really struggling. Uh, he had owned some student housing elsewhere. And so when he told me the, we were out to dinner with the broker celebrating our previous purchase with him. And he told me the size of the units and the cost basis. And I'm like, that's a no brainer. We'll turn it into multifamily. And if, if we have any luck, we'll chop up the units and, and add, add, add more units. And so we, he told us that, you know, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock that night, we went back to the hotel room, underwrote it, toured it the next day, put in an offer and spoke to the seller like the next, the day after that. And we closed that deal within 45 days. Holy cow. And it's, it's been phenomenal. So we're, we bought it end of February. We just had all the students turn at the end of July. We're at 85% occupied already, well above our pro forma. 
you know, and with probably within six weeks, we'll be, you know, close to 95%. And we're working with the city uh, right now to, to chop up. We have a bunch of four bedroom units. So ideally we'll chop up those to a two plus one and a one plus one. And, and if we can add 10, 15 more units, that'll really increase the, uh, the NOI uh, and, the, and, and the value of that property even, even further. That's huge. So you kept it as student housing. No, we, we, we changed it to market market rent. So um, the changing the use was was really easy with the city. And and again, there was some risk involved in making, you know, we, had, we hired a lawyer, we had a team of people helping us moving everything forward. Um, but uh, EV, uh, so we just switched it from student housing to, to, to market rate. And that was fairly easy uh, process. The next process is a little bit more time consuming as far as, being able to chop up units because we have to do a whole parking plan and, and this and that, but it most likely it will get approved in the next couple of months um, and, and continue to, to add uh, value. And then we can refi out uh, and, and give a big return to our investors and, and, and continue holding this property for a while. That's, that's fantastic. Is that your primary strategy is to, is to do a cash out refi and keep the property? You know, each deal is a little different. We sold, to one we sold and the other one we're selling it just um it just made sense to sell those one was a 42 unit so uh, we really maxed out the value out at that point so it's velocity of money but uh, on some of these bigger properties uh if it makes sense then uh we can we can refi and and hold um we can sell we we keep all of our options open uh to see what's the best you know, and, and figuring out with our investors the time of, of their of their money too. You know, can can we keep driving the NOI up? And if if not, then maybe it is a good time to sell because we've maxed out. You know, and and they'll, their return will only be going down for each subsequent year. Uh, you, obviously, you have to consider the tax consequences as well. Sure, sure. Um, you know, for the listeners' benefit, you know, um, I know when I got involved. You know, I'd go out on these tours and all of a sudden I'd see somebody that I knew that was selling a property and then somebody else that I knew that was buying the property. And so the first thing that comes to my mind is like, okay, the, the buyer is the sucker, right? Like, you, you know, without knowing how the, how the business works, you could think that like, all right, they're going to, the first investors are going to double their money and this new group that's coming in, they're just... They're going to get taken to the watershed. But then some people educated me. It's like, well, look, the first group, they came with, say, say it was $2 million worth of rehab. They put that money in and now, and they executed their business plan and now they've increased the rents, but they can't take it to the next level because they don't have another $2 million. So this new group comes in and then they invest additional capital to take it to the next level. And that's when I, I was like, oh, now that makes more sense. Like at first you just think, you know, somebody, there's a winner and a loser, but it's not necessarily like that. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, I think in the beginning I was hung up too on what the previous buyer had, had, had bought it for and I was selling it for and it's like, oh, they made a killing in two years. You know, yeah, you're you're right. Like I'm 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 the, I'm the sucker, and you got you got to push that aside. And you know, where can you take it to and focus on that? You know, 
um, that's, you know, that's what you need to, to be. Right. Where can on. you take it to? And the, the existing group most likely can't do that because they don't have the capital. They're, yeah, they're running the property the way they, they're running it, but they don't have excess capital to keep putting new improvements on the property. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we always like to over-raise anyway and have extra money so that we can pivot. It's not a major pivot, but you know, if we if if a year into the property, if we wanted to paint it all of a sudden and that costs a hundred thousand, we have extra money in our reserves to do something like that. If we think it's going to be a real boost to our our NOI. Sure, sure. Um, talk about mindset because I think that plays a lot when you get into these bigger multifamily deals. Like a lot of people that I talk to that are just trying to get in, they think like, oh, I got to do duplex, fourplex, eightplex. Like, and then all of a sudden they listen to my podcast and they contact me and they're like, man, you have all these people that do like 100 unit, 200 unit, 50, you know, 500 unit. Like, how do they do that? And you just talked about your first deal was 1.65 million. And then your second deal was 15 million. So talk about how do you have the right mindset to be able to scale into larger deals? Yeah, my mindset is, is so important. And, you know, that's something you have to work on all the time. Um, but, but knowing, and I, I started small too. I started thinking small when I, when I started out, like, okay, I, I was looking at a fourplex and then I was going to do a 12, you know, a 12 unit deal and realized through other people um, and, and platforms uh, that is actually much easier to go to go bigger and, and work with a team and feel more confident and versus you being on your on your own and and not learning from others on your team and not sharing that responsibility and skill sets. So yeah, you're you're it's actually easier to go to go bigger uh, to scale and and I get, you have to go through your comfort level and what, whatever that is. And you know, obviously you don't have to go make such the leap that I did and, 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 and go smaller, but we felt that was, you know, a hundred units or more was, was the space to play in. And, um, it just made sense. And so we, we had a list of all the different people that we could potentially partner with. And when we, we're working on this deal. We, we went, we asked a lot of people on that list and a lot of people said no and didn't like the deal. We, we, we kept to our conviction. We, we felt that it was really well conservatively underwritten. Other people agreed. And eventually we found partners that we, we really enjoyed working with and, and took down the deal. Uh, certainly there was a lot of hiccups along the way um, to the very last second uh, but yeah, once you get that deal done and you could start focusing on the real work and, and improving operations, that's, that's when the real fun starts. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't have learned those things had you not taken the step, you know, forward. So, you know, that, that's huge. Um, you know, I think that people get stuck, you know, they get stuck in the, in the sense of, uh, look, you just talk about going hundred units or more, you know, just makes sense. Well, you know, in our world, when it's, it's about getting around other people and learning from them. So, you know, from the listener's benefit, look, when you get to a property that's 60, 70, 80, 100 units, now you, now you could afford to have full-time leasing person on staff, a full-time maintenance person on staff. 
where when you have smaller properties, you can't afford to have them at the property all the time. So you have to have them part-time. And so let, let's just talk about leasing. You know, somebody drives by, wants to possibly lease this unit in a 12 unit. They see the phone number, they call, they have to schedule a time to come back, you know, to, to look at that unit. And then the leasing person has to show up. And sometimes the person that called <laughs> doesn't show up. And that's a waste wasted effort versus if you have a full-time leasing office, they just pull in, go talk to the leasing person. They say, oh, we got this unit right here. And they go show it and they can actually sign the lease the same day. I mean, so it's it's a, that's part of the reason why Gary's saying it's actually easier to go, to go bigger. Um, the financing is also another re- reason why, you know, um, you know, if you, Talk about being an entrepreneur or a small business owner, getting a single family loan or a duplex or, a th- you know, threeplex. It's, it's a lot of times harder to do that than to partner with four or five people or three people and, and get a large deal done. It sounds crazy, but it's the reality. Yeah. And, and, and on these bigger loans, uh, you could get uh, non-recourse. <laughs> You're not, you know, there's not, no personal guaranteeing where on the smaller stuff that's more likely to happen. So yeah, a lot, a lot of benefits. You pull your, pull your resources with others and, and, and can take down bigger deals. So talk about habits. Like what, what kind of habits do you have? Do you have a, a morning ritual or what kind of habits have you instilled that you know, make sure that you keep on plowing forward. Yeah, you know, it starts with with goals. You know, you've got to write it down and and review them. Um, I I was just reading the Slight Edge when I was away on vacation, and it was that's a good that book. That was just I like, a really good reminder. Yeah, I like that book. Uh, yeah, yeah, great book. Um, really easy to apply, and just the ability to look at your goals every single day to remind yourself of that is, is really important. Um, it just keeps you on task, you know, and it's re- timelines. I have timelines for everything because it's, you're getting pulled in so many different ways, you know, different, different deals or a podcast, whatever it is. So you've got to stay on your timelines. That's, that's a really important thing. And, and write everything down. Um, we use Google Drive for a lot of stuff so we can share and any one part of our team for any different project, share all that information. So it's, it's there for everyone to see who, who's responsible for what, when is it due. Um, otherwise, you know, things get forgotten and, and go by the wayside and you don't, you know, you, you spend three months, six months a year and that's not getting accomplished. So if you put it out there and for everyone to see, more likely than not, it's going to be accomplished. Yeah. And um, so what he said it like three times, which I love, is that you, know, you need to write down your goals, you know, and that alone will differentiate most people in this world because most people will not take the time to write down their goals. And, and I have a vision board. I don't know if you use a vision board, but like I have pictures up there with my goals and I have to stare at it every day. And I think to myself, am I doing it? What am I doing to advance that goal? What am I doing to advance that goal? Am I going to hit that goal? Am I? And if I didn't have that in front of me every day, you know, it's very easy to let one week, one month, 
one quarter, one year go by and all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, maybe next year I'll try, you know, like, so that's, that's key is to write down your goals. The other thing is to think bigger because sometimes I had a guy on and it actually hasn't come out yet, but he said, I was going to do, um, like a eight unit deal next. And instead, uh, no, my goal was to do eight units in the next year or something like that. And he said, instead I changed it to 800 units. I'm like, holy cow, you, you changed your goal from eight units to 800. I'm like, where'd you end up? He's like, like 440 units. So he didn't hit 800 units, but had he kept the eight unit goal, he probably would have only hit eight units. Instead, he had 440. I mean. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's crazy. So talk about um, freedom and what that means to you. You know, people talk about that word all the time, like freedom of time, freedom of money, free, you know, I want to live a life of freedom. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I mean, I work my butt off, so I don't have total freedom. But I do know that if I if I wanted to stop, I could stop and 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 live a very very good life. Um, it's the freedom to travel, to take care of you know my parents or whoever I want to take care of. Um, it, it is having that 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 freedom to. To, to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Now, now certainly I have responsibilities for, to my investors and my properties and whatnot, but, but certainly I, I definitely have a more, more sense of I control my own destiny. I can work as, as long as I want to and, and get, and get the, you know, the, the rewards as much as I put in, then that's the, you know, the rewards I'm, I'm going to get out, but I, I am in control. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing is like, having to be told when to be somewhere and how long to be there and, you know, exact and trade time for money and um, versus most people that I know that are successful in the real estate world, they are driven, you know, and they don't necessarily want to get to a certain point and then just sit on the beach, you know, um, but they know that they're doing what they want to do and they're, they're driven and they're doing what they want to do, when they want to do it. Um, you were just, before we even hit record, you were telling me how you were in Maui last week and you were like closing like three deals. So you still, on vacation, you still had to do some work. You still had to sign some paperwork. You know, you still had to talk to a few investors, but, uh, or lenders or brokers, but you were doing what you wanted to do. And it was, you were, you were having fun at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to be in an office. I could do it wherever, wherever I, I was, you know, I, I told the, the lender, Hey, I'm going to be in Maui. I can either sign before I go or send a notary to me. And they like, we'll, we'll send a notary to you. I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. Perfect. The other thing that I love about this business is that it's not just about you. You know, if you get into syndication, you are, you know, yeah, you need other investors to get involved, but you're presenting them with an opportunity to make to make money that they can't make on their own um, from their investments. So they get involved and you, yeah, you grow your wealth, but you help grow the wealth of all the other investors that got involved in that deal. I mean, you talked about your Phoenix deal in less than two years, you're going to double investors money. I mean, 
that's that's crazy. Really, I mean, you can't typically you can't do that in the stock market. You know, um, now if you bought at the low of COVID, you know it's it's come back double now. Um, but it's it's there are very few investments that have the tax efficiency and the leverage that real estate does. And the beauty to the investors is it's it's pretty much performance based. You know, I'm going to make my money really at the if we do well, if they do well, I will do well. If if we're not do, doing well, then then I'm the one that's going to suffer. I'm I make most of my money at the end. So unlike other things, this is this is true performance based. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, some people think about okay, well, ah, oh, they're getting paid a asset management fee, they're getting paid this fee, you know. But really, the true money is at the at the end of the day is either on a cash out refi or a sale, you know, at the end. So talk about um, talk about fear, man. There's so many people that are afraid to do things in life. One of them is get involved in real estate investing, other, you know, or it's start your own business, or it's you know uh, scale up, or whatever the case may be, but we all have fear and I'm sure you were scared of some things. Talk about like when you were afraid and how you overcame that. Um, it's not as much fear, I guess more. Um, obviously you want to perform, you know, perform well and you, you, it, it's doing your homework to, to, to mitigate that, that fear. Um, Fear is when you're putting, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of hard money down on a deal and, you know, working through the particulars uh, of the contractor and, and whatnot and and worrying that is this deal going to, to fall apart and, and am I going to have to walk away from this deal and lose hundreds of thousands of dollars? That is, that's a little bit of fear. Once you get past that point, then... It, it, you know, it's a matter of executing your business plan, but that that's that's the hard the hardest part of of this business of you know putting all that money day one, and so that's why you when you do big deals, you can pad your budget quite a bit and make sure you have all these different buffers because nothing's going to go perfectly. So you know, we'll put a few hundred thousand in there for the HVAC and the roof, even if they are in perfect condition. Hey, you never know what's going to happen, and so I've got I've got. I can sleep well at night knowing that I've got a few hundred thousand there to, to use. And if not for that, then I can use it for something else, you know? Well, I think that the, you brought something up that I think most passives or a lot of passives don't even understand. And that is, you know, so some passives are like, oh, is it, you know, is this syndicator just, you know, trying to get me into a deal? Well, that syndicator, whoever that syndicator is, in order to get under contract, had to put, like you said, hundreds of thousands of dollars of their own money to get into contract. And then they, they're only going to do that if they have confidence that the deal is strong enough to attract capital from other investors. Because if they go out, the syndicator goes out and says, hey, I've got this deal under contract you know, are are you interested in investing and nobody shows up and the deal falls apart, the only, the only person that loses 
is the, the syndicator who put up that hard money. And I think that a lot of passives don't realize that syndicators have hundreds of thousands of dollars that are locked up that are at risk until the deal closes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the bigger the deal, the more money you're putting down. Um, and it's 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 day one. So yeah, that that part is is a little scary. Um, but you you just you know that's part part of the business. <laughs> yeah, and and you build confidence that hey, look, I doubled investor money on the last one, so I'm pretty confident these guys are going to come in on this one. And they've already indicated to me that they want to continue to roll it over uh, with with me. So um, that's important. What do you like to do outside of work for fun? Yeah, I, I love to be active. Um, so I play beach volleyball uh, early morning, twice a week. So this guy um, lives in a really difficult part of the country. He li- he lives at, what in Manhattan Beach in, in yeah, Southern yeah. Cal. Yeah. So you, so you're at the volleyball course at Manhattan Beach. Yeah. So six forty five every Thursday morning when I'm in town, and Saturday morning we have a, a big group that plays. Sometimes during the summer we might have three four courts going, um, and uh, yeah, I. I, lo- I love it. It's being on the beach and exercising. You can't, you can't beat that. Yeah. That's, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's harder, man, to, to, to play two on two or, or like, yeah, larger. we play twos, man, you're, you're my age and you're like, you're, you must be pretty fit to be doing that. Cause it's, that's tough, man. Covering that much ground. Yeah. I, I stay pretty active. I, um, I try to walk as much as possible. So I, uh, the days I, I usually walk the, the the next day, I'll walk a few miles. So I average about two miles a day. I've been doing that for five, five plus years. Um, I do a, twice a week. I do like a core mobility workout. So I, I can play beach volleyball and, and stay injury free. So um, that that really helps too to to get my shoulders moving correctly to, you know, to get to use all the muscles correctly and, and keep doing this because, you know, like I want to be doing real estate for a long time. I want to be playing volleyball for a long time. I, you know, health is, is really important to me. If I'm, if I'm healthy, I will do a much better job business wise. Sure. And, and look, I mean, you're living life, you know, and that's something that's fun and important to you. So that's, that's huge. Hey, uh, what advice would you give a pass somebody that has never invested passively who wants to get involved? You know, what's your best advice for them to get involved? Yeah, it's a great question. They, they should get to know their sponsors, um, see a lot of different deals. How do they, even, how do they even, how do they even meet them? Yeah, I go to, go to meetup groups, um, and, and get on, on, on deal lists and, and don't invest with the first person you meet. It, they, they could be a great sponsor, but you know, make it a goal of meeting 20 sponsors first. Cause on the first deal that I invested with, it was, a, it was a bomb, quite honestly. And I made the mistake. I didn't do enough research. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there, much different than it was even, you know, four years ago. So, you know, look over a lot of different deals. There's lots of different ways uh, sponsors can kind of tweak the numbers. So you really need to spend a little time uh, educating yourself and knowing the differences. And there's a lot of free resources out there. So there's, there's no excuse. You don't have to spend any money to get uh, a good amount of education. Yeah. So if you, if you don't know how to get involved with meetup groups, there's just an app you can 
you could find on your phone. Just It's called Meetup, M-E-E-T-U-P, and just plug in apartment investing or multifamily investing. And in most major metropolitan markets, there's going to be meetup groups that are focused on multifamily investing. And when you go to that meetup group, look, the first time you go, yes, you don't know anybody and you're nervous and you're scared, but there's a lot of other people that are going there for the same exact thing. So just introduce yourself to the people you sit next to and you'll find out that, you know, look, this person is there for the same reason you are, or this person has been coming and they start, they're like, you know what? Glad you came and let me help you. What, what can I, how can I help you? And then all of a sudden you meet other passives and you meet other syndicators and you start the ball rolling. And it's just one education after another. And um, so that's a great way. Another, another great way is, is to, um, you can get involved with multifamily uh, groups on Facebook and just, you know, start looking at, well, who's doing deals? And you could private message that person and then set up a conference call with them, you know, and, and how do I get involved? How do I get in a, on your investor database? And then you start looking at deals. So um, it's one step after the other. So it is free and it's easy to do, but you have to take action. So with and that- I'll add one more thing to yeah. that. You know, because when I started, and I think that this happens to a lot of people too, they- they look, there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. And so they, it's like the squirrel effect. That looks interesting. That looks interesting. That looks interesting. And you've got to focus, focus on one aspect. And then after you get educated, then you can go to the other things. But if you're, if you're looking at 10 different things, you're just, you're not going to be able to move that ball forward. When you say that meaning like, Hey, fix and flip Airbnb, uh, self-storage, multifamily, mobile home parks, like, it's, it's too much. You're going to be just reading stuff and never doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I think that, I think you're right. Hey, listen, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. I'm on social media. Uh, otherwise you can also email me Gary at break of Uh, happy to, uh, to respond and talk real estate. Uh, and if you go to our website, break uh, you'll get a, a free passive investors guide as well. Fantastic. So that website is breakofday.com. I will have it in the show notes. Breakofdaycapital.com. Oh, thank you for jumping <laughs> in there. Breakofdaycapital.com. Um, I'll have that in the show notes. Um, Gary, I appreciate you coming on. Um, appreciate you being part of, uh, you know, key principle in, in my first syndication deal. And I love the, all the success I see out of you, man. Can't wait to see what else you have in store. And again, appreciate you coming on. Listeners, uh, hope you enjoyed that one. Until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 